Listening to RC Heli Nation version 2.0. I am Justin, and this is episode 259. What's going on, guys? It's happening. Who's not, out there? Not too bad. You did a pretty good job. I heard Nick. Yes. Oh, A plus, man. Good and intro. there's a Sage. Yeah. Dan, what's up? Now, okay, I'm just screwing with you. We don't have a Dan. We don't have a Jesse. I think Dan Dan has actually got a little bit of a trip thing that he's doing here. I don't know if it's for work or what, but uh, he is unable to make it this week. Yeah, and I don't know what Jesse is up to. To be honest, work. Again. Is it work? Yeah. Is he? Yeah, he's out of town. He's on travel or something. Yeah, Dan's on work. Uh, man, that on never work. stopped me. Oh, whatever. It never stopped me. It now, stopped I, you two on. weeks in a row. Well, yeah, that was recently. I was sort of referring to like, you know, three or four years ago, <laughs> I spent three weeks at NASA Glen in Cleveland and I shipped my freaking computer to the hotel so I could record. You did. I did. I thought that was kind of funny myself, but. Uh, yeah, you can't get away from it, man. It's uh, I'm a creature of habit, right? It just has to happen every week. I get it. Speaking of every week, what have we done in the last week? Anyone want to go first? I will. I sat here and watched the rain. Oh, dude. <sighs> yeah. Same here, man. I it's mean, just... really? No yeah. flying? No. It, it, did I get out? No. I thought you told us Maybe at the I, meeting you yes, did fly on right. Sunday. Yes, you are absolutely Ten correct. Ten flights or something? Yep, yep. Now, okay, thank you. Now I remember. I got in. It was Now he perks up, Sage. It was early in the morning. <laughs> now, this was like woke up, looked outside, went, oh, my God, it's not raining. There is a minute amount of sunshine. I got to go now, like right now. I didn't even bring the trailer, like nothing. I grabbed a charging case, all my 12S stick packs, the 700, and and grabbed the generator, threw it all in the truck, and just bombed out there. Uh, I, I imagine it like a cartoon. It's like you see Nick look out the window, and then you just hear, choo, choo, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep, that was it. Uh, it was it was good. I mean, it, it felt great. I'm not going to lie. It felt kind of rushed. but um, Was it good weather, though? Good enough. The best it's been in a while. But I could tell, I mean, I'm I'm checking the weather, you know, on the way out there, and I'm like, oh, this is a small window. This is a very small window. You better make them count. And, and that's, you know, what I did. I just flew as fast as I possibly could back to back to back. The old generator was grunting, and the, the 
power lab was grunting and you know i flew until it until it started to rain which got which was not very long uh maybe you know i would say hour and a half something like that so i banged as many flights in as i possibly could what did you fly just the 700 and just having fun man still rocking it at the lower head speed um still you know st- i had mentioned it uh in the previous episode still flying it in heli gov linear throttle with the freewheeling off and i'm i'm loving it I'm, I'm i'm really watching for i was actually writing an email back to a listener i don't like the idea of turning freewheeling off that was a big feature that i liked with the hobby wing but if you really think about it the only thing that i care about when it comes to freewheeling is temperature, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, right. it's, it's a name. If there's one thing I've learned, it's when you deal with overseas companies and there's so much loss in translation between engineers and the people who write the manual and all this. I'm kind of at the point where it's like, I don't care what it says. Does it work? You know? So in theory, do I think that it should have to be turned off? No, but it is nothing more than basically an on-off feature, and if on, it doesn't get hot and flies better, then that's the way that I want it to be. Well, and you know, keep in mind also, the whole purpose of freewheeling in these ESCs is to let you run over a larger range of throttle percentages, right? Yeah, and that's what so I've So you been can doing. run down to lower you know, duty cycles, basically, uh, on the drive and you're not going to be generating excessive heat that could then burn stuff up or shorten the life of the component. So if you're not doing a wide range of throttle uh, throttle percentages, it really doesn't play a significant role. No, but I am. And that's why I've, I've been trying to test it. Cause yeah, when I drop down to, you know, I mean, we're talking, I'm flying it at like 1570 super hard and then bumping it up to 1940 yeah but 1570 to 1940 is what like 30 percent on your throttle curves what what do you you actually i'd have to go in and look at the throttle output to to really you know I haven't right. gone in yeah. and tracked it down that much. I'd have to log the throttle output and actually really watch it. I mean, I the only time I ever pay attention to that is when I'm setting something up for like speed, you know, or or my higher end head speed, should I say. Well, okay, then let me put it to you this way. If at 1570, whatever the number you chose, 1500, you fly as aggressively as you do at 1900, oh, yeah. then maybe you've got a problem. But I doubt you do, Nick. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, you you have to, you know, you have to employ better collective management, better pitch management in general. Collective or cyclic, it doesn't make a difference. Or else the damn thing's going to bog and fall out of the sky. You'd be surprised, man. It's weird. I've just never put, really put the effort in until recently for actually tuning at that low. Usually it's like just get everything all set up for the higher RPM, you know, tune it and then drop it down a couple hundred, bump the tail gain up and maybe change the head gain and call it good. But I'm really going in and and tuning the governor and tuning the tail pre-comp and all this. And you would be really shocked at, at 
at when you spend the time to tune it at that low RPM, how much better it actually performs, how you don't have oh, to yeah. baby it near as much as you thought you would. I mean, no, I, I, I got that on the 772 when I went really low in head speed. It, yeah. I agree. It makes a difference. Yeah. And I think a lot of people only toy with it like the low head speed. So they never think to put that effort into tuning the model. They're just kind of like, eh, I'll stick a 6S pack in there where it should be a 12. Go put a couple of flights. I'm done. Yeah. But it, it plays a big role. Yeah, and that's definitely not how I'm going for it. I'm I'm going to actually get flight performance out of it at that RPM. So it's so, been the Gov performance is the big one. And that's the other cool part is when you happen to be testing and checking governor stuff, the lower the head speed you get, the the much more apparent changes are. Yep. Big time. What was that, Sage? So I was just wondering it, it, are you actually noticing any heat on your ESC after flights at 15, at 1540? Is that what you said? Yep. No, I'm not. Like So, yeah. So it, it's probably a moot point, really, the actor freewheeling, uh, aside from the kind of the peace of mind aspect, I guess, if it's something that you think about. Yeah. And that it's, it, I mean, at first I was like, ooh, super cautious, but it was, I mean, I started hammering on it as hard as I would, expecting to come back with a hot ESC, and it's not. I'm not no- noticing any different, but there is kind of my big, you know, I have to do the the big, like, hey, keep in mind, it is, you know, below butt freaking cold out here. Right, so, yeah. it, you know, it's going to be more difficult to tell. We've got some people trying it, you know, East Coast and and uh, the Hobby Wing USA guys, Randy and all them, they've been trying it. And it's so far so good. So it, I've kind of given it the, I think that everyone should give it a shot. Because, uh, you know, why is it such a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because the tail kick complaint comes from airplane mode. Period. I mean, we shouldn't be, in theory... We should not be running the governor in airplane mode. That's not what it was ever designed for. That is what heli mode linear throttle was supposed to be for. But because it had these weird characteristics in it with the throttle, it wouldn't like the V bar for V bar. It wasn't as noticeable, but for, you know, brain three digi, um, uh, those were the only ones that I, I know of off the top of my hand. It was like a big crap performance once it got in the air. And that, yep. you know, so it was like, oh, well, we'll just run it in airplane mode. But then you're dealt with this horrendous tail kick because there's basically no soft start, you know, for a split second. And so you get a big kick. Well, now you go back to having your soft start and for some odd reason when you take fueling off it takes that dampening back out of it and gives you the in-flight performance of the airplane mode so this is kind of how it should be um you know i'd still really like to see them be op- kind of open-minded and and give the ability to change a couple other parameters you know um and then rename it all to like external gov mode yeah exactly and then it'll work across everything and and like the second that they 
uh, how do I put it? It's it's kind of difficult. It's hard working with companies that aren't based out of the U.S. because it's like they want to help, but they don't. We're just on very different wavelengths a lot of times. So, you know, something that they don't understand why that's important. It might not be a big deal. You're going, yes, it is. And I just think they, <laughs> yeah, I, I think they struggle with the grasp of we need we need something even across the board. Like a fresh start on this would be very, it would be a really big deal for perception, you know, appearance, and mostly for technical support and help too. You know, I'm like sitting here on standby waiting for uh, either... No, we're not changing anything. This is how it's going to stay. Or a yes, we're going to do it because I would love to do a full setup video, right? With a VBAR gov. VBAR gov version four hobby wing, go through the whole thing. Exactly how I set it up. Explain how the soft start works, how the handoff works, how the bailout works, all of those things. Like I would be more than willing to do that. Like, I think every company should have, you know, people doing stuff like this for them. I would do it in a second, but I'm not going to do it, put it up on my YouTube channel and then have them change something next week or next month. Yeah. Because then it's just, it's, it creates more confusion. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on it. Um, And, you know, in order to really do that, we need like, we need commitments from, you know, some people that are involved with brain to do the same thing. And then it, it would just be a, it would be a massive movement for hobby wing in the right direction. Um, even if they say, no, this is how it is. It's going to stay. Then we'll go through, make the best of what we got for each fly barless system. And then, then do those videos. Yeah. And at least people will know the setups it, it, or the steps to go through to get it working at, a, at the level things work. Yeah. Exactly. I don't even remember where we were going. Oh, yeah, freewheeling. Well, yeah, you started with freewheeling. But, you know, it it, it brings up an interesting topic because um, I feel like every time we talk about this external governor shit, I've been like, Haha, I got Contronic. Suck it. Because I don't have to deal with that stuff. The governor just works. Or, or Hobbywing, for that matter, right? The ESC yeah. governor is freaking fantastic. Now that I've got the axe on and I, I've I've now set it up for the governor, uh, I haven't actually been able to test it. But, uh, you know, I I hear all these horror stories. Pretty much all of the fly barless systems out there. I've heard people say, oh, you got to tweak and tune and sometimes it works better and sometimes it doesn't. And I got to be honest, there's a little bit of reluctance. I'm kind of just like, well, why don't I just stick with the ESC now? Obviously, I need to test it and know how it works so I can, you know, provide support to other people. And I'm excited to have it all integrated. But, uh, man, you'd never think that or I wouldn't have thought years ago that when external governors came out, it would be that big of a challenge, you know, to work out all the little bugs. I don't. And some of them are really subtle. Yeah. And I really don't. I mean, maybe it's a. I've worked on the back end with a lot of different companies and I, maybe it's because I'm not the guy sitting there, you know, writing the code or changing the code or whatever, but this is, 
from like a from a feature standpoint and a concept, this is not that hard. I could write out very specifically. I mean, to the T, precisely what I need in an external governor mode, the way that I need the speed controller to function. I could do that, and I guarantee you it would work for 90% of the fly barless systems out there because they're getting quite standardized on what they can and cannot do. But it's it's like you do all that, and then they go, whoa, yeah, I don't know. I think we're just going to go ahead, and you're like, what? okay, all right. I mean, I got to tell you, the one company – that ironically enough castles done really well the way that they the yep. features that they yep. have in their in their software really does work about the best it gives it you it just seems to work it gives you the most options there's no excuse me no nasty startup there's no uh, you know, you can have it idle the motor. You can have it shut the motor off. You can, It really does give you a lot of features. And and they got it right. Now, you know, can't make a 14 SESC, but. Yeah, can't put a reliable BEC. No, they'll, they'll get there. <laughs> or yeah, they'll get there. logging. I mean. Wait, wait, be careful the there, other. Sage, because I can name probably a half dozen people that you will get hate mail from if you start talking shit about castle BECs. That's okay. I I don't care. They can send. Yeah. It, you you mean, heard it here, folks. Yeah. It's just it's it's frustrating to me because it's something that I don't I feel but again, why why do I think that castle has done so where with done so well? I mean, they they are Leading, period, first place, very, very clear. First place in software, in user function, tunability, right? You can change just about anything and everything, and the Castle software is great. I mean, it's a, do, does anyone disagree that it's difficult to use or confusing? What, no, the I Castle software? Easy to use when yeah. I was when I... When I was using a castle. Oh, it's, it's very easy. Yeah, I mean, it, it set RPM. That's actually the one thing that I really like about castle that I wish was on everything that had an internal governor set RPM mode. I don't, I, I can't fathom why that's not the method of operation for all yeah. of them. Yeah. Okay. So well, I, I mean, and it's, it's all of it is very simple to operate and somewhat self-explanatory. And I kind of like that you get telemetry and you don't have to sell off a testicle. Right. But now, okay. Here's yeah. my theory. Why does it work so well for all of us? Why does it work so well? Where are they based out of? They're based out of the U S I that's, mean, that's, at least their customer service and stuff is, I, I, I've, I've always been told they're a U.S. company. Uh, yeah. Everyone well, I've, no, but I've it's always here. contacted you have, is here. You have people that are working on it here, and you can sit down. And, and, and this is not a – how do I put I don't want people to take this the wrong way. This is a, a hurdle that so many companies, probably the majority of them in our hobby, deal with when you're, when you're you know, dealing with um, 
companies that are all the way across, there's language barrier. And it, man, the, the harder it is, and, you know, their market over there is completely different. We've talked about that, how heli market, you know, over in Asia, whatever, is so competition-based because everything is competition-based. You know, the RC car market. Whereas over here in the U.S., we're like, ah, dude, we just want to fly and fiddle with our shit. I mean, really? Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's yeah. true. We like to fiddle with stuff. They're not near as interested in that over there. It works just fine. I don't know how many times that. Why would you want to do that? The internal one works just fine. Because I have money and I want to spend it and I want to fiddle with something, you ass. <laughs> That's why. You get what I'm saying? And they, yeah, yeah. It's it's not their fault. They just really struggle to not understand that. So that I think is why Castle had such a huge advantage because it was very easy for them to to listen to those requests. And what I don't think is really that hard to implement. And and so they, you know, they've done a very good job. Where they have fallen on the, you know, on the hardware side of it, um. And the gov performance, the the communication and all of that is is excellent. So, and they've got a great test platform. Bunch of people testing stuff on the back end. Um, I've seen how that works, and it's boy, it's way more advanced than any of these other companies. Because just because they're so big. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I agree. But, but they still don't have 14s. No, but they still don't have. Uh, I think they're scared. They are voltage shy. Yeah, yeah. They 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 probably are kept awake at night thinking about the um, you know, the exploding ESCs of the you know 2010 and 11 era. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you see that one guy at the meeting? That young guy, you know, he's the new one straight out of college. He pops in. He he comes in with his freaking Starbucks mug in the morning. He's like, "All right, guys, how you guys doing? Awesome. Okay, today I'd like to uh, make an approach on." And you got like six plankers that are like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes, hot rod. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't need, no one needs 14S. My Schluter flies perfectly <laughs> fine on, <laughs> on a 4S 18,000 yep. pack. <laughs> we don't need forward thinkers. Someone demote this guy to shipping and receiving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. So okay. that was the what, extent of yeah, it. Yeah, you got anything else? No. I have You I flying s- this weekend? I have to work Saturday. I'm boy, I'd love to. My family's gone, so um they're going down Ooh, to oh, Seattle oh. for the weekend. I know. I and boy, let me tell you if I wake up Saturday morning and it's clear, there is no way I'm going into work. I mean, someone's sick. One of my relatives. It doesn't even matter. Like I don't even. I'm not even going to play coy about it. I am not going into work if it's a nice sunny day. Well, here's to hoping because I heard it's supposed to snow a couple of times <laughs> next week. It, 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 it is supposed to. Hey, but you know yeah. what? We've had some fun in the snow too. I yeah, really that's need true. To, I really need to get my butt motivated and uh, tear apart that neo. And, and put all the, the new stuff in the Neo together and put it back together so that the Nitro's ready to go. Ah. We'll see. 
never ending. Nope. There's always something. You know, it's easy to sit back in a big cushy business chair in a nice big office and make the call on how products should be. But if you want to stand behind products that you believe in, you better get out there and fly them yourself. Well, that's exactly what Burt at BK Designs does. Whether he's putting the hurt to the BK servos, smacking the crap out of the switchblades, or tweaking on the Spartan Flybarless system, you know the products you buy from BK Designs are flown and tested from the man himself. That's www.bkdesigns.com. Flown. Tested. Approved. All right, Sage, what about you, dude? I had a pretty fun week. I had uh, I had all sorts of stuff coming in this week. So I got my VTX blades. Oh, and baller. Yeah. Yeah, dude, they are so sick. I don't, I don't know. They're so cool. I just look at and them. Now, cool. Okay, I, I'm, I'm on board. They're sexy as hell. Have you at any point thus far felt just a little bad about how much you paid for them? I don't feel that bad because I didn't pay full price for them. Oh, okay. You got a deal on them. Yeah. Well, they had the 25% off on Black Friday. That's yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Remember you mentioning that that's a killer deal. I just don't a hundred and what what is it? 150 or 160 bucks. 160. If you get them no discount. Yeah. yeah, okay, so with 25% off, it brings it down to mere mortal status right at $120 per set. Oh, it's so twisted, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Smoking Make deal. <laughs> Make me feel good about paying that, but hey, uh, what can you do? I wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't getting them free just hanging around, so I, uh, I had to pick up a set. I wanted a set for this next season. I had to pick up set. So it's done. They're hanging on the wall. And uh, once I have a helicopter flying, I'll bolt them on and, you know, have a blast. Um, I got my Grappner stuff today. Oh, yes. Yep. New radio, bunch of receivers, new speed controller. Yeah, I... uh, sitting at work all day just thinking you know god i want to get off work i want to go home i want to solder all the connectors i want to just i want to get going i want to get going and uh i got home and i pulled the esc out and i was like i gotta put a battery connector and motor bullets on this thing and plus i had some uh other soldering work to do so i opted not to touch the esc but i did come up with a great idea you see I've been on this like no fly thing for a while now and it's kind of starting to get to me. And uh, a lot of it's been weather, but I've had a couple chances where if I had something flying, I could have gotten out and I just, you know, I've been, I I don't have anything flying right now. I didn't want to buy batteries for the seven HV and I didn't want to buy parts for the warp and I'm waiting on the XO. So, I discovered I have one 6S 4500 pack left over from this season. And I have a 100 amp ESC that I just picked up and a 700 airframe geared for 12S. Which sounds to me like an excellent recipe for some ultra low head speed. 
Yep. Ooh, so, okay. So uh, for the next little while, I am going to be getting the 7HV flying with one 6S pack um, at at geared for 12S. Uh, I'm on ultra low head speed, so I can actually get some flying in. Sweet, dude. Now, yeah, when I we're really, talking ultra low head speed, what are we talking here? Um, I'm thinking with the way it's geared, I'm pretty sure I've got a 13 tooth pinion in there. It should put me around 1200. Oh, uh, yeah. Starting. So, yeah. And I'm going to run the VTXs, which are supposed to perform really well in that. Uh, That's uh, what I hear. Speed. Yep. Low head speed. So, uh, yeah, I think this could be a lot of fun. Well, anything flying is a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> As opposed to the opposite, yep. <laughs> Just making sure. I, I feel like that was a dig on me, and I know it wasn't, but I'm just, I'm a little sensitive right now, so, <laughs> it, you know. <laughs> it wasn't, but uh, there's some, <laughs> obviously some underlying guilt there. Yeah, yeah, well, it's not guilt, it's just resentment is probably a better description of the emotion oh i'm feeling it too i just i i've gotten i don't think i've flown since the fun fly no no that's not true that's not true because i went out and i had a bunch of signal issues uh wait since our fun fly yep yes dude yeah no i know like like you're as bad as me almost yeah, no, I've I've been horrible. I've been horrible. Well, I uh let's see. Right before the fun fly, I toasted a stick pack by plugging it into itself. And then yep. at the fun fly, I destroyed half of my other only other stick pack and drove in my warp. So, and if I recall, that was all on like Thursday. No, 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 no. Thankfully. <laughs> no, the warp was right off the bat. The warp was yeah, within, the, yeah. within 10 minutes of arriving. Yeah. But but the battery wasn't until the last day. Because, uh, or no, the battery happened on Saturday because on Sunday I flew a couple times using uh, uh, some cobbled together packs. Some 30, uh, 7S3300 packs. <laughs> it's a 14, a sad 14S. state of affairs. <laughs> yeah. It, it does a, actually. It I really like it on fourteen S thirty three hundred, but it you only get two minutes out of it. Yeah, but it's a freaking rocket ship. That's my life story. <laughs> go go go! Three go, minutes. Go. Yeah, two minutes. Two minutes. Really awesome, but only two minutes. Yep. But this will give me uh, an opportunity to set up the speed controller. Uh, it'll give me an opportunity to set up uh, all the telemetry and the three digi communication with the radio. Uh, so far, I'm really liking the radio. All I've really done with it is gone through the helicopter setup wizard, which takes all of about three minutes to get through. Um, I don't know if they've gone away from Q-Links altogether, but at least the terminology has been minimized i know that was like a kind of a sticking point until you got like the the terminology i guess figured out right with the programming 
they use something called phases now. Does that sound familiar to you from when you were you had the MZ18? Uh, not that I remember. No, I don't yeah. remember either. So they've got these pre-programmed phases in now. So you've got your normal and your idle up and your hold and all that stuff. And so, I, see, I haven't even seen, I've gone through the manual a couple times now, and I haven't even seen the term Q-Link. And see, I was kind of watching for it because I'm coming from Spectrum. I'm coming from like, I was thinking about today, and I see it as kind of like, Spectrum's kind of like, it's kind of like a dumb radio. Like, it's it's not, I don't, I don't mean that to be like, mean to the radio you know what i mean it's like it doesn't it should be it served me well so i don't really have a reason to but i feel like i've gone from a flip phone to a smartphone like this (laughs) like basically i just got rid of my motorola (laughs) razor which does everything i needed to do i could talk on it i could text on it you know what i mean grandmama yeah I could fly my 700. It, it it was reliable. I didn't have a problem with Spectrum. My point is, setting up a model in Spectrum was helicopter, one swash. Okay, one servo swash. Um, okay, you're set up. Like, there's not, you don't have to do anything. It's just telling, it's just a terminal for the sticks to pass the information through. Whereas it feels like, this new generation of radios is a lot deeper. They do more things and it's the full programmability, I think because it, it just, it makes it a blank slate that you can do anything. Oh any yeah. You can do any function. I'm not used to that kind of thing. You know what I mean? And I'm not used to these menus that are so open and just, yeah, I, there's a lot that I'm still getting used to. See, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over that. And, and like the, the V control is even farther past where your where the spectrum was. Yeah. You know, it's way farther past that. Like, why do you need endpoints? Why do you need sub trim? Why do you, you know, which don't even have that stuff because we don't need it. So yeah. it's, it's weird. I mean, I, yeah, that's, it's, is uh, I don't know how to put it. All I can say is that make a model like ma- Get everything all dialed in and figured out. Save it and don't save any fine tune adjustments in there. Right. Yeah. You know, like no specific endpoints or anything like that. But get an entire model set up for, you know, Flybarless System X and save it as that, like three digi master or something. Yeah, that way that would- you can plug that in because that really screwed me a couple times with Futaba. It was, you know, okay, oh, I'm going to go, you know, put a new heli on here and I'd, I'd, I'd go, I'd just start a new model. And then it's like, God, how do I disable those weird little, you know, sliders on the back and go, oh man, what the heck is, I, I do I have to turn on idle up one and idle up two? All the things you never ever think about unless you're making a brand new model. Right. And right. and so yeah, I would highly recommend doing that. That's a very that's that's a good idea. And I yeah, I will probably end up doing that. And I don't really plan on using anything but a three digi for the foreseeable future. Yeah. But, but you know, you never know. Yeah. Things change and, and things happen. True. But uh yeah. 
You know, it'll be interesting to see how the no endpoints and and stuff works out for VBAR control with if someone chooses to use the use it as a receiver into a different flybar list. You know, so I will be I will be able to tell you that very shortly. Because my order is in for the V basic. Um uh, I'm guessing there's like a macro cell or something that yeah. will oh, yeah. do that. Yeah. Do that. So the capabilities there is just not baked in when you need it for because you don't need it you for never need it. V bar. Yeah. Nothing. You don't need it for V bar. Nope. But if you were for some odd reason using your V bar as a receiver to run your brain and you wanted to use the uh the brain governor, you'd probably have to set some endpoints. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I'm going to do. I mean, it, it yeah. was it, right about, it was cool. It worked out well, right about the time that I said, okay, I need to add another radio so that I can, you know, cause I want to go back and fly a three digi. I want to fly. We're even actually got an email from the guys at spirit and they, you know, they want me to really try that. So it's like, well, okay, yeah, sure. And I was getting that and getting this, and it's like, well, all right, I guess it's time to go add another radio to the fleet again, and then they introduce that. So for me, it's a win because I really like the V-Bar radio. Yeah, well, and it allows you to expand your knowledge about it, too, into areas that you probably wouldn't have used if you yeah. weren't, uh, if you didn't need to. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I think it's going to be cool. It's going to be interesting to uh, to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, um, I I just got it this afternoon, so it's actually been charging most of the most of the evening. I did mess around with it enough to be able to sim with it a little bit. Um, there are two switches that are coming off that baby right off the bat, but other than <laughs> I that, was about to ask that what yep. what's the switch situation? Okay, so the two switches on on the top front. So not not on the front of the radio, but on the top of the radio, and there's like kind of your two in the back, which are your throttle hold switches, and then there's kind of like on a spectrum radio, which would be your flight mode switch, mm-hmm. kind of one yep. up on the top front. That's coming off on both sides because I'm not going to use it, and it's just in my way. But other than that, I actually love the ergonomics of the radio. It fits me perfectly. Yep. The sw- um, dude, those... Like you couldn't fit a two-year-old's fingers in between those switches on the top. Nah, nah, no way. They're t- yeah. It's I can get my fingers See, in there. I but usually like, don't have problems with that. And when I flew Nick's, because remember, before Nick sold his, I actually screwed around with it for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And even for me, the switches were like, I don't know about this, man. This is not working for me. Yeah. Yeah. Those two are coming out, but other than that, um, I really like it. It's got freaking sliders and switches and knobs all over that thing. So it, um, with the three digi and the live tuning options, it's going to be so sweet. Cause, uh, yeah, I had one knob before and now I've got like four knobs and two sliders. All that stuff can be assigned to different three digi parameters. So tuning is going to be like literally a one flight thing now. Like, yeah, that's cool. No question. Oh, uh, that gain? Okay. Uh, that gain? Oh, okay. That gain? Okay. Now, copy? Okay. Done. Yeah. It's going to be... Welcome. I'm looking forward to all this. Welcome. Yes. Yes. 
you have finally made it. <laughs> I know. I feel like I've arrived. Well, when I figure out how to use the radio, maybe I'll feel like it a little bit more. But <laughs> yeah. ah, you'll get there. It's fun yeah. learning new stuff. I gotta get all my 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 uh, sticks all uh, smoothed out. They're a little rough. Uh oh. Yeah, they come out. They're a little rough out of the box, but uh, no, not rough. Uh, just more tension and stuff that I need. I just need to get it all zoned into where I uh, my DX8's like real loosey goosey. So, you know, takes time. Yeah, well, and those little screws on the back that you can kind of fiddle with a little. I just need to get in there and tune it to my liking. All that fun stuff. Cool, man. You yep. got anything else? No, I think that's it for the week. There are very few tools in the hobby that really make you take a step back and admire their precision, quality, and simplicity. But when you do find such a tool, you cherish it. The Soko Heli tool fits this description perfectly. With its simple concept, adaptable design, and smartphone-based approach to setting up a heli with a level swash and the proper pitch ranges, there's not much more than you can ask for. All helis, all sizes, one tool. So before you build or set up your next model, head on over to www.soco-heli-tools.com and pick up a Soco Heli tool. Soko Heli Tools, bringing precision and simplicity to your toolbox. Okay, on to me. Um, how do I want to start this? This. So first of all, I'll start with I didn't fly. I'm not not much of a surprise, especially given the way you opened yours, Nick. Because yeah, it was pretty much raining the entire week. I mean. Now, now we're we're just getting a like it's not even annoying or a nuisance. It's just downright freaking depressing because in addition to raining and not sprinkling like Seattle rain, I will I'll tell you, it's more like actually raining pretty heavily. It's now down into like the high 30s and low 40s. So if it wasn't bad enough that you can't fly in it. When you walk outside, you don't just get wet. You freeze your balls off. <laughs> yep. And I'm just not down with that right now. It's 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 kind of below the belt for me. <laughs> <laughs> that said, um, this week has been a what can probably only be described as a weird manic bipolar schizophrenic like attack on the senses over my discussion on what heli i was going to buy last week oh it hurts my brain we've hit servo mode we we've not hit servo mode. Yes, we've, we have. So no, hit we have servo not. Mode. No, you we don't have get not. to call that. I'm the one. I, who no, gets I to get call to that. call that because I was in servo mode that you know seven years ago. I get it. That was a that was a less mature, less knowledgeable Justin. <laughs> this is a schizophrenic, bipolar, crazy douchebag Justin. Well, at least we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, we sure are. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's break it down here. 
last week I felt fairly strong about having chosen my new path for the 700 electric Gowie X7 Formula Z, which, by the way, I still don't know what the what the Z stands for. Uh, but but nonetheless, the FZ and that in coordination with the part sharing on the NX7 and so on and so forth. Well, what came of that was I received numerous messages from listeners, um, all very reasonable, I might add. No one was being a douche, um, but kind of kind of providing some information, you know, personal experiences with the the X7, some of them good, most of them not. A um, couple of links to forums so that I could go and review some stuff that clearly I had missed in my research. Uh, and and I want to be objective about this. So certainly if, if, you know, any of the listeners out there are hearing this now and saying, well, wait a minute, I've got a different experience, then please feel free to reach out. Um, you know, the, the, the FZ is the next version upgrade of the formula, which was an upgrade of the regular, which I think got upgraded twice from like a V0 to a V1. Now, I, from what I understand, Gowie's made a lot of improvements. One thing that I was somewhat disappointed to hear seemingly has not been improved and and I have to say, I don't have personal experience with this. I've never owned one. I'm just going off of what uh, a number of people have, have uh, come to me with. Um, torque tube issues, you know, uh, straightness of the torque tube coming out of the box. Now, this one hits a little close to home because, Nick, I know you know uh, what I'm thinking here. Uh, I have built Gowie X5s before way back. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking like five or six years ago. Oh, yeah. Back when, you know, a straight torque tube out of the box was like gold on the black market. Yep. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it was impossible to come by. And so you sort of just found the best of the worst and dealt with the resonances that came along with it, hoping that it would not bring your heli down mid flight. Uh, and destroy it. So not sure quite how bad it is, but there have been a number of people that have said that they've had issues. And the problem is, you know, when you crash, you always damage a torque tube. So, you know, you're you're always back to the drawing board on, am I going to get lucky enough to get a good torque tube? Okay, maybe I'll buy five of them. Not exactly my idea of the the best way to, to stock up on parts. <laughs> Uh, okay. So, so, you know, that's the torque tube. The other thing that was brought to my attention that I had never heard of before, I could have guessed the torque tube if I thought about it for longer than 30 seconds, but you know, this one took me a little bit by surprise for one, the model seems to only be specced for one Oh five millimeter tail blades. Now I know there are people out there saying right now, dude, I'm running it on one tens or one fifteens or one sixteens, whatever. There are some people that are, from what I understand, although the ground clearance is somewhat concerning with it. Um, you can always but, add a shim for that, though, if it's just ground clearance. Yeah, that, that, that's the true. issue. Although it's not clear to me that that's all it is, because what I learned is that this model seems to have a resonance to it. And that resonance. Oh, I've never heard that before. Yeah, that resonance 
you know, maybe it only happens at higher RPM. I've heard a couple of people say, oh, don't worry about it unless you're flying over 2000. Other people said they've had it at lower RPMs. Um, but what it amounts to is it's both RPM dependent and tail blade dependent. Where people are literally doing testing and saying, oh, you know what? I really like edges, but they don't work or switch. Or God, do you know what this reminds what? me of? This reminds me of a line in the 700E DFC. Yeah, now get this, dude. Some people said, I've got the fix for the residents. Stick a freaking Align 700 tail on it. <laughs> huh? Well, Can you believe you that? Fix the residents on their model. Yeah, it took them like 19 versions, but Align apparently did get to it. So, oh. you know, I here's the deal. I I'm still thinking. So nothing's set in stone. And I'm not in a hurry either. Okay, you know, as as we sit here, it is December first, and I am no further than sixteen days away from the birth of my second son. So And no further to a final decision. Yeah, and no and no closer to a final decision. You're right, Nick. Than you were six uh-huh. months ago when you thought, I need a three D model. No, it hasn't been six months. It's been about since after our fun fly, but okay, fine. Uh so anyway, I, I mean four. This Sorry. has left a, a, a bit of a bad taste in my mouth on the Gowie. It's still sexy as fuck it is and i struggle <laughs> with that man it, it because is. i feel like i keep rationalizing in my head eh, it'll be okay she's sexy don't worry about it you know <laughs> just <laughs> just just the tip guys you know, just the tip there's a chance she might take my house but right. let me tell you <laughs> she probably has multiple venereal diseases but <laughs> but Oh, horrible. Okay, yeah. No, so, and I it's, mean, it's been their crutch. I mean, God, I I absolutely love some of their helis. I really do. But this has been it, this has been Gowie's number one crutch for a long time was QC. I mean, period. And for what it's worth, I have not experienced that on two R5s. I mean, you know, they probably could have designed it so it didn't blow up running 3,700 RPM, but I'll I'll let that one slide. (laughs) No, it's, man, it's just, it's been their crutch. It's very unfortunate. They really need to, if they want to get, you know, mainstream, I don't think it's model design that's holding them back. It's certainly not looks that's holding them back. I don't think it's flight performance that's holding them back. It's just QC, period. Uh, It kills me. It kills me because, yeah, uh, I think it it makes a lot of sense, you know, the thought process that I had in terms of sharing parts, and and I do like the NX-7 once I get rid of the engine, but I got to rethink things here because with all of the evidence that people brought forth and and by the way, thank you. There were a couple of listeners. They could tell I was a little down after talking to them and they're like, oh, man, sorry, dude. I didn't mean to like burst your bubble. (laughs) Don't worry (laughs) about it. That's the whole point behind this. Right. Um, That's why as a community, we're stronger than individual. 
because you know I missed that research. Well, and I did no pick one up knows on a couple of things, but no one knows models better than the people that own them. I mean, yes. period. You can, and you really do have to just own it for yourself. Yeah. You can read, you can do this and that, but until you've experienced it for yourself, there might be something that is just like uh, this is so annoying. I simply can't take it. You know. Well, and, and we've all been there, man, oh, yeah. where you just want to love the model, but it's it's not working, yeah, not working. And and it's an uphill battle. And if that, you know, I could get lucky, too, because I've also pulled the trigger and said, you know what? I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to pull the bad, you know, the bad ticket. And I've gotten good models and never had a problem. And I've sat there and listened to people on the forums complain about it doesn't do this or it does that or whatever. Never had an issue. But nowadays, I'm a little less interested in, you know, playing the Russian roulette because as we discussed last week, you know, with all the life changes, the, the time time is much more valuable. Um, and I and I don't want to spend my time screwing around with shit. I want to spend my time flying. Yeah, agreed. But, dad ass though i'll tell you (laughs) okay so what does that mean um i don't know yet i have not a freaking clue i had a couple of other suggestions you know i got i got all sorts of things uh align i've had some people say dude try the align 700 electric it looks pretty cool you know uh, sexy and stability or whatever we talked about last week. Um, you know, Diablo 700, Protos Max V2, which I got to say is a big contender. Um, uh, logo, which eh, I've been hot and cold on the logo, but I think I'll leave that alone. I'll let them kind of work out their own little challenges there. Um, I, Synergy, I even thought of Synergy going back to the old Synergy. But uh, I I am I am completely and totally baffled now. So um, that's my admission that I may have jumped the gun. I'll eat a little crow there. Luckily, I haven't pulled the trigger yet on the on the model. Uh, and so it's not too bad, but uh, I'm still in search. Back to the drawing board. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Um, I I did, on a completely separate note, get a decent amount of sim time in this week. I've been trying to focus on that because, again, you know, fill, getting prepped for filling my small amount of downtime with the new baby with heli stuff is tricky. Uh, and, and sim, I think, is going to be a big thing. Because I may not be able to get out, even if it's out to the baseball field, uh, you know, down the road a little bit, depending on the weather. So, been flying the sim. Um, I'm I'm feeling okay with it, but I haven't quite gotten into the groove yet. It's been sort of on and off, uh, but we've got all winter to go there. So we'll we'll see how that ends up turning out. Nice. Yeah. Well, should we do some news? I think we should do news. Yeah. 
This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com. What do you have, Nick or Sage? Yeah, let's see. We'll let Sage go. He's put a little bit together. Well, the first one is kind of interesting. Next, uh, announced an update. That's not the interesting part. The interesting part is there is a mystery helicopter. Uh, The (laughs) Peak 700. Which I don't recognize. Got a blue and yellow canopy. I don't recognize it either, but I'll tell you. It looks pretty cool, and I've flown it on the sim, and it's not horrible. I had to do a lot of adjustment, but um, the heli looks neat. I can't even find it in a Google search. Yeah, I was what looking the all hell over the place. I can see a thing. You know, I'm I'm just looking at this update link. Man, they have got a lot more models in here. They oh, dude, they have, yes, they have added a lot of features. Like, holy crap. I, I just I hate to say it, but I turn it on, plug in my radio, and just fly. But, my good Lord, look at all the models in here now. Lately, they've been coming out with updates that at least adds one model. Now, sometimes it's like an FPV or a multi-rotor model, but a couple of times a month. Yeah, they got the... The core 700s in there, obviously every goblin. They oh R5, the X3, the X7 formula, the NX7. Wow, and the shape S8. Holy crap! This is this is pretty darn impressive. Yeah, I think it's really cool because I don't care what anyone says. It is somewhat useful to fly candidate models that you may buy on the simulator. Oh yeah. Not because I think it flies anything like that model, but because you get to, you know, get the feel for what it looks like in the air. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Totally. Yeah. Cool. What else? Yeah. Okay. So here's an interesting one. Someone posted this on the news uh, uh, on the forum. So I guess Hobby King has been busted for selling uncertified orange receivers. So. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. shocker. Shocker. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess there's some DSMX, DSM2 uh, orange receivers that they've been uh, uh, selling over here. Uh, they got a notice that they're going to find like 18 grand per day if they keep selling them. I don't know. I didn't go look to see if they're still available on the website. Uh, I think they basically responded by saying, <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, they said they responded by saying that they're a small company that would soon be closing. Hobby King? Uh, what? That's what that's how they responded to uh the people that that uh I, that's how they responded when they were told that they were selling unlicensed uh Oh, I see it. On uh, January 20th, yeah. 2016, the division issued a letter of inquiry to Hobby King directing the company to provide information and documents related to the allegations. In response, Hobby King's owner stated that Hobby King is a small company that purportedly would, quote, soon be ceasing operations entirely. Uh Uh-huh. That was January 20th. (laughs) January 20th of, uh, oh, 
Yeah. Of well, this year. year. These people year. are shady as shit. I don't mind uh-huh. telling you. I'm telling yeah. you, everyone. Heat shrink and connectors. Get them while you can. Pass that. Piss on them. <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe there's like crack in the heat shrink. <laughs> <laughs> they are so sketchy. I mean, they're just shameless. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's see what That's else. That's an we interesting got. one for sure. Yeah, I, I didn't. It wouldn't be the first time. Man, they've gotten in, in a lot of trouble for selling a lot of stuff. The whole K bar deal and. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute. Am I reading this new this this next news correctly? It's true. As far as I understand it, we were given. A firm release date for the XO. It and will it be is? at distributors December 18th. Of 2017? Did they give a year? It didn't give a year, which oh, is kind of suspicious. So weird. They got you. I see what you did there. They buttoned the suspicious. <laughs> yeah. They so did. I am going to. I'm going to wet my pants in laughter if it doesn't make it on time. And it actually is 2017. <laughs> I, I don't think the intention is 2017. but uh, Well, it's never yeah. the intention. Well, yeah. But. All right. Yeah, that's what, that's what I got. That's how I rounded up. This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com for superior quality web and mobile development and design with a 100% money back guarantee that's always on schedule and budget. Get the most from your website from www.superiority.com or www.dudemanlarry.com. Not kidding. Check him out. Hey, Justin. This, one. this week, it's all you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you wanted so, this. This is this is all me. This is absolutely all me. But you guys better get involved. Damn it. <laughs> okay, so he, here's the here's the the topic that I I want to play around with this week. It is all about heli weight. Okay, now. You have heard me in the last several episodes go on and on about whatever that new 700 3D model is going to be. It needs to be lightweight. You know, we're, we're talking at least sub 12, potentially sub 11 and a half. Sub 11 would be just freaking fantastic. We're talking pounds, of course. No fatties and, around here. Man, yeah. Justin. <laughs> And and so, you know, I've I've had a number of listeners get in contact with me over the last several weeks on this. Everyone's got their own opinion, and certainly there is no shortage of lively debate on the forums about helicopter weight. Why is it so important? What you know, what is it about the model weight that drive people to literally compare setups down to the grams and argue over when a supplier or manufacturer on their advertisement says that it's, 
you know, 11.9 pounds ready to fly and theirs came in at 12.1. So it's false advertising. You know, there, there are all sorts of different things out there and it's a very emotional subject. Now, um, as you guys might, might realize sometimes the emotions are focused more on some models other than others. And we'll get into that a little bit later, but, but just to start, what are your guys thoughts on model weight? Why do you, do you care? Is it even something that you think about? Oh yeah. And and I think we, we first need to establish for there, there's two things that I think we need to be very fair about. One, uh, I, I personally believe that you will get to a certain point. The, the magic number for me is one quarter of one pound. Now, why is that important for me? Well, that's important because that is the change in weight that I can start to feel a difference. Quarter of, quarter a, pound. of a pound. Yep. Roughly on about a 100, 120 grams. Yes, on a 700. About 100, yep. yep. Right around there, that's the number where I can start to feel a difference. If I fly it back to back, and I'll get to point number two here in a second, I can tell a difference. Now, there's also that other thing of you can get used to just about anything with enough flights. So that's another thing to keep in mind, you know. Uh, that would be, and, and one of the reasons we chose this discussion this week was because Dan wasn't here. He'd be rolling his eyes and pitching a shit because he just who doesn't. Who gives a shit about the weight? Yeah, My gas is 18.7 right? pounds. Yeah, who cares? Well, y- you know, I, I do, he's getting, I know that he's actually, whether he will admit it or not, He's he noticed that, because we talked about it when he was at my house, when the wind would pick up with the 570 and I'd, I'd fly, uh, you know, I was loading packs for him and getting it ready. And then he'd go, Hey, what did you change? Like, Oh, did you notice something? Well, <laughs> yeah, I kind of like, which one did you like better? Well, I kind of like it like this better. Oh, I just put in a pack that's a hundred grams heavier and we have some wind. That's why you like this one better. Oh, okay. You know, he didn't know why, but he knew that something changed. Now, you know, does that mean he cared enough about it to do something? No, not particularly. Right. But I think we're, we're, it's important to be armed with the information, you know, just to where you can kind of understand it. So I, I, I want to put those out there. And then also there's two other things that really play a role. I don't think there's a magic number like I used to think. Um, in the beginning, there was that magic number for me with a 700, and I was pretty dead set on that. Now that I've done some traveling, flown in different places, flown in different environments, temperatures, altitudes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have a very, very different approach on it. I mean, uh, you know, I learned a lot going over to to Wyoming and flying with those boys over there. And then even, you know, when they come over to to RCHN to the fun fly, they were just like, wow, 
<laughs> what the heck? Well, and you know, you you make a good point that the environment definitely plays a role. But I I do want to poke a little bit. I mean, you say you used to believe there was a magic number. Now you don't. I think you still do. Uh, at least I'll propose to you why. I think the magic number comes more down to when you're a beginner, right? Because and and we've talked about this before, Nick. It's a uh, when you're learning how to fly, there is a certain weight and feel of the heli that gives you the most confidence to go out and try the maneuvers and know how it's going to respond and behave. Yeah. And so I yeah. think early on, there probably is a magic number, and I don't claim that it's the same for everyone. Uh, but I agree, as you get further on in experience and years and different models and locations, you realize that it's not that cut and dry. No, and I still have, I have a magic number, but my magic number is not the end all. My magic number is my baseline. Guideline. I, yeah, yes, it's a starting point. That is my, my, that is my start line because I know that in X environment with this weight on this side's blades, that is how I love it. And then I tailor everything from there oh okay this particular model is a half a pound heavier okay well this particular model is this or that then i will tailor it to that and that's what i learned um a lot with you know with the goblin 700 it just was heavier than i liked and i was so focused on getting the weight down where it was like, wait a minute, I can't change really change the weight on this model. I need to change other things to get me to that same baseline feel that I like. So I changed blade length and and head speed and you know what I mean? Yep. Made yep, some exactly. other changes to get it back to that point. And so that's that's where it does get tricky and why it's kind of some people don't care at all but why it's kind of fun. And I think a lot of people would, I feel like a lot of people would enjoy the benefits of paying attention to it. Um, if they realized that it, how important it was, is that going to make sense? Like they might say, Oh, I don't, I don't care. Whatever. It doesn't, I just fly whatever. Oh yeah. But then if you actually made some changes for them, Okay, well, let's try this and let's right. try that. It's like, oh, well, oh, it's like wow. we always say, you don't know what you don't know. Yes, right. And and yeah. so your point being, hey, go out and try the different stuff, and you may actually find that you like something that you would not have expected, or you would have downright denounced. Mm -hmm. And and that that kind of gets to you know one of the key things that I see in these weight debates is that it's all about the numbers. I mean, people get so hung up on the numbers and, and I'm, I'm even guilty of it. Arbitrarily assigning thresholds above which any model that falls in that range is entirely unacceptable. A 12 pound 3D 700. Hell no. Not going to work. Could it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you correctly pointed out, there's more to how it flies than just its weight. It plays mm -hmm. a big role. But there's still tunability within, you know, within the the blades and fly barless and all that other thing stuff that um, that you can 
modify the effects of the weight or you can adjust it, if you will. Yeah, it really is. It's it's creepy how much you can change and do stuff if you keep your mind open. Yep. You know, and it it a lot of it does play into into flying style that, you know, that is a big part of it, too. And if you are, you know, generally speaking, the guys who traditionally like to smack harder don't don't mind a model that's a little bit heavier because they they're really spinning the head speed anyway and it does kind of sink a little bit better helps keep the model down uh down a little bit and it also you know the wind won't affect it as much you don't see the you don't see the corrections kind of right yeah that kind of makes well, sense. And so, okay, you're, you're, you're hitting on some good stuff. So before we go much further, and I know we've talked about it in other episodes, but for, for maybe some of the newer listeners who haven't heard it or thought it through, just quickly, you know, walk us through what, what, are, what are the key effects of weight? Oh, and, you're, okay. and, and how does it, you know, play, playing into a term that we use often is disc loading. Yeah, and that's yeah, ultimately where it comes down. Hang right? time, baby. It's all about the hang time. So what it directly affects, you'll notice, is knife edge hang time. So when you get the model up, you know, in a pyro flip or in really anything where it's not just hovering. Um, anytime you get the, the farther away from perfectly flat you get the, the disc, you will notice a lighter model uh, with a, a lighter disc loading will float more. It just has a tendency to want to stay in the air. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing because in certain situations, it's great. In other situations, it sucks. Give yourself about a 20 mile an hour wind and it is like a sail and every gust of wind will bounce that model around all over the place and it's really hard to fly clean. Um, so yeah, that, that would be that would be that one. We have always had awesome support from our local Northwest companies, and Progressive RC is no exception. They've been with us since nearly the beginning and continue to support us year after year. David and his team are working hard to constantly bring you guys the best chargers, connectors, power supplies, and of course, his all-inclusive charging cases. So when it comes time to upgrade that charger or stock up on connectors for the winter, head on over to ProgressiveRC.com, where we know the quality products and service will speak for themselves. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll let you keep going. How do you want to go about this one? Well, okay. So, you know, I, I think you're that that's the path that I want to go down. That's I think that's the right path, which is the effects of weight on the disc loading. And how do we communicate correctly, right? Because... If if we're going to do a comparison, the real comparison is not uh, the the actual weight. I've got a 12 pound heli. Well, you have a 12 pound heli on 690s. Yeah. Do you have it on 700s or do you have it on 710s? Mm-hmm. And so as, as, we, as we've talked about in the past, the disc loading is a way to express how much weight per uh, area of the disc. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I end up. And I end up getting a little mathematically lazy when I'm doing quick back of the envelope calculations. And I'll just divide the weight of the heli by the length of the blades. 
it's it's roughly the same effect. I mean, to first order, it's not a big deal. And so, you know, as you correctly pointed out, Nick, something with heavier disc loading or more weight for the same blade area is uh, something that tends to be a little bit more snappy, a little bit more fly in the box, heavier in knife edge, not as floaty, whereas the lower disc loading is the opposite of that. Yep. Um, but that that's i think the real or the best objective way to do the comparisons because uh what a lot of people don't realize is making a simple blade change out can take their 12 pound heli and make it feel like your 11 and a half pound heli that's right and a half a pound is not an insignificant weight drop in relative terms you say you can you can tell a difference in something as as little as a quarter of a pound. How so when you're going and doing your weight optimization, how are you figuring out what the effects of that quarter pound drop is? You know, what what do you see first? What's the first thing that you get it up in the air, you start doing some maneuvers and you say, oh, yeah, it's definitely lighter by uh, a quarter pound. The ni- The knife edge. You know, that that hang time is definitely the first thing that I notice. And another one, and here's the key, maintaining constant um, collective, how much collective you're running, and head speed. You have to stay the same here for apples to apples comparison. Now, tailor it and tune it a little bit later, but you really do kind of need to stay the same to, to really get the feel of it. Um, so that's what I notice first, I would say is that, and, and that's, those are probably the biggest keys to me, you know, how does it affect your fly barless tuning? Oh, heavy ass model versus light ass model. Biggest thing is going to be head speed. It really is because I like, so I'm kind of weird. I like X amount of pull. So what do I, you know, what do I call that? Pull, meaning you give, you, you put the coals to it yep. and it so moves I stand this it. amount. Here's how I judge. I put it in uh, nose left or nose right. I stand it straight up on the tail and I do a full collective like uh, uh, an edger, right? Yeah. Old Mr. Yep. Pricer edger. That's how I judge my speed. And, and that's, I mean, that's my ultimate final tune. It has to move a, uh, at a certain speed for me to be happy with the model. There's infinite amount of ways to get there. I can run 14 degrees at 1950 or 13 degrees at, you know, 2050 or whatever. But that that's a that is not a variable for me. I like a very specific amount. Um now depending on the weight I have to get there, diff- and depending on the blade length means I have to get there different ways. What head speed am I going to run? What pitch am I going to run? And those start to get a little more complicated, um, and, and that's where it turns into, is this a trade-off and or not? Because I might say, you know, God, man, I really I don't really want to have to run 2100 to get this thing to move the way that I want it to. Okay. But I'm getting the pull that I want out of it, but damn, you know what? I love how this thing sits. And when we say how a model sits, that's in 
more precision maneuvers, kind of FAI type F3C stuff. Uh, you know, these models, you look at all the models that these guys are flying, like the Stacy Fuselages and the Urukais and all of these competitions. They are not light helicopters, boy. Oh, no. no. And there's a reason because that would, they don't want that 10 mile an hour gust to move that model at all. And, And part of, I actually like that. You know, I like a model to sit well in the air. And when you get the head speed way up, the higher the head speed gets, the more kind of jittery it gets. Even if it's a little bit heavier, the more sensitive the collective is um, in the lower pitch ranges. And, and it can kind of get a little jittery. But you say, hey, man, I've really, you know, this this heli's half pound heavier. But, damn, I really like the way that it sits in a hover. I like the way that it uh, big air flies. Don't. That so that that to me, yeah, is the key. I mean, sits. I don't know if I'd use sits as the description, but I understand what you mean. For me, what the weight? I mean, a lighter weight heli is going to move and stop more rapidly. Mm-hmm. But something that I appreciate uh, the weight for is the smoothness through through the the smoothness with which it goes through large maneuvers or transitions yeah you're not you don't have to push it through right because it has no momentum no it cuts through 13 cuts pounds through. Cuts that's right through. It, yeah it, that it's inertia doing its helps own a thing. lot to carry your maneuver like you're saying transitions it, it, you can focus on what you want to input as a command and let the momentum of the helicopter take it where you want it to go yes Absolutely. Yep. And I actually find and, and mind you, I, I think overall, I'm still generally a fan of lighter weight helis. Now, you know, how light is a different different topic. But what I find is in tuning for the lighter weight helis, I've got to be a little bit more critical about how I get the fly barless system to give me that smooth feeling. And even once you get there, it still has an ever so slight hint of artificial smoothness that you just don't get um, with a, a really light model as compared to having something bigger and beefier. But, you know, the opposite of that. So here's the here's the other side. I agree. It is definitely much more sensitive on the off center stuff, right? The light inputs. Yep. Um, the the bigger model is much easier to tune there to get it to feel. But I got to tell you, trying to tune hard stops on a heavy model sucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, much harder to get the those hard stops crisp. And that's why a lot of people end up cranking their head speed way up because it's just easier to tune, period. End of story. So, you know, that plays a big role, too. We should also bring up that weight, and this is 100% correct, plays a big role in crashes. If you've ever driven anything oh, that's... Oh, I am the master of that experiment. <laughs> 13 pounds does not crash nice, period. End you have story. never seen shit fly so far. <laughs> As when you crash like a 13 and a half or 14 pound gasser. Yep. I mean, that's, I have launched miniature aircraft parts to other counties. 
it it's dude it's a big deal yeah yeah that's true but if you go to the other end of the spectrum and you have an ultralight helicopter uh if you crash that under power you might not have the same built as heavy duty either and some of that aluminum will turn into freaking spaghetti no i mean it just i hear you and and that's so I guess yeah, I that's mean, it's, kinda... it's just compromises. It's you know, it's one of those compromises. I that's why I think that you're probably better off uh, as far as crashing goes. I don't want to crash a 14 pound model, but I don't want to crash a 10 pound model. I'd rather it be somewhere in the middle where some key parts have some weight and that, strength. You know, maybe strength, strength. is the key. Yeah, because generally yeah. you're going to sacrifice strength yes. to get the light weight. Yes, yeah, I, yes, I that's agree. The point. Yeah. So there's a compromise. There's a compromise, and that's why I think. I mean, that's why we don't see a massively huge weight range across these models, right? I mean, we are arguing over half pound differences, maybe in the most of the major. Uh, I'm going to call it a pound to a pound and a half in airframe. Just no, air no, frame. no. Just no. Airframe. Okay. airframe. Yeah, just okay, so airframe. so fair point, and that then that's another thing I want to bring up. But you're right. Okay, so no batteries, no components. We're just talking about airframes, and yeah, I agree. It's probably a half to half three quarters pound. of a pound. Yeah, something and like the that. Ones that are at the extremes, you know, they have comp. The ones that are in the middle. Weight wise, yeah. No, I hear you. You do. It is definitely about about a compromise, man. I've taken some light ones, and boy, every crash, it was like, oh, I'm breaking these same parts over again because they were so dainty, you know, to get it <laughs> to that weight. But then again, yeah, when I've, you drive in in a, a ten and a half pound heli, and you can't find one of your your head grips. You know it's a little too dainty. <laughs> yes, exactly. But then, you know, I've driven in 12 and a half, almost 13 pound models and have shifted entire frame sets over an inch oh, with yeah. every component attached to it, like, was bent. And you're going, oh my, wow, look at I that. I remember driving in my whiplash gasser so hard that the main shaft became a permanent fixture within the bearing blocks. Like <laughs> I hammered on that thing. I put it in a vice. I pulled on it. I pushed on it. I took like literally like a two pound sledge. And at the end of the day, I gave up and I removed all three bearing blocks with the main shaft stuck in them and threw the entire lot in the trash. Okay, so, so yeah, know, the, the the heavy helis play a big role in how they crash. But this really makes me think: if we're only talking, how can we go from thirteen pound helicopters to eleven pound helicopters when we're saying that the airframes are only half a pound, maybe three quarters of? A pound I'll tell difference? you why. I'll tell you why. Because as the airframe gets heavier people will have a tendency i think it's a lot of uh, of um community influence or pressure but people will have a tendency to want to put bigger power systems in it 
because that particular helicopter has the reputation right or wrong for being heavy. And so what do you do with a heavy helicopter? It's unthinkable to put a 4035 in there, even though four years ago that was the norm. So I'm going to drop a 4535 in that bitch. Yep. Because so now I've got two pounds of motor alone and I can't drive two pounds of motor with a hundred amp speed controller. So we'll toss a 200 in there. And since I'm already tipping the scales at 13 pounds, I might as well run 5,500s. So, yeah, I I think it all adds up. It really is a snowball. You put it in the air and you're like, holy shit, this thing flies like a tank. Uh, I need to crank it up to 2,200. Yep. Well, now you have just done this huge cycle of basically bad, you know, when you didn't need any of it in the first place. You know, it, it was you were fixing your fix to fix your patch to patch for this, and you know it's it, it's like taking a multiple taking a, wrongs don't a make prescription. a right. Well, yeah, yeah. If you want to get rid of this fungus, take this. Oh, but that's going to give you the shit. So then you need to take this to get rid of the shits and all that. You know what I mean? It's like this big exactly. cycle. <laughs> when just you know, clean your butt crack in the beginning, you won't have any problems. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, and and I think that's that is for me. That's really where it comes down to. It is: are we dealing with perception more than reality here? I mean, I, I can't help but go back to a few years ago when head speed was such a big freaking deal, right? You know, back when we started in the hobby, which is in the grand scheme of things not all that long ago compared to a lot of people. But seven or eight years ago, it was perfectly acceptable to fly any 700 model in the 18 to 19, 1950 RPM range. That and was then, high. You know, yeah, yeah, that was yeah, 1950. Ago, that was you don't need 1950. You can do 1900. Okay. And so a few years on from there, all of a sudden we've got a line dropping their tail gear ratios to like 1.7. So that you can run like 3,800 <laughs> on a on a T-Rex 700. And that started this whole trend where, again, it's it's a blind following is, is what I'm trying to say. People were running high head speeds back then because that's what they thought the community thought was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And now and we've got this. saw wait. all them do that. Yeah. And they went, oh, that's and they the were right like, thing to do. Yeah. Exactly. So now, okay, so we, we kind of saw that that upswing in head speed. And I think over the last couple of years, we've seen it kind of drop back down to more normal values, not not completely, but uh, more normal values. And and now we've got this weight topic and how many of the people arguing the weight topic and I'll throw myself into the ring on this one as well. I have no shame. Um, how many people on the weight topic are arguing a number versus arguing from a position of experience and, and, you know, actual guidance or motivation? I, I, I think it could be, it could end up being the same sort of a thing where we, we had a steady growth in heli weight. Uh, and then the technology kicked in a few years ago and we got lighter composites and we got stronger this and stronger that and better machining and design. 
And so you get a couple of models out there that are sub 12 pounds. Now, anytime a model comes out that tips the scale anywhere close to 12 pounds, it gets the shit kicked out of it Yeah, on the forums. Ladies and gentlemen, we are honored to introduce to you Sir Isaac McSwashballs III. You have given your all upon thy sticks. You've fallen quite short. Well, you flew like shit. Now at thy feet lay a pile of rubbish. Get out thy tools. And don't be sluggish. What is this you say? Where are all my parts? To see her broken, it tears out my heart. For there is one man that will march through a blizzard. He'll get you your parts. The legend, the wizard. Catch that wizard while you can at www.lowerheli.com. Yeah, you've really, it, and it's so much of it is component choice, targeted head speed, and blade length. I mean, it is huge. It, it really, really is. And, you know, that's a good point, Justin, because no one talks about, like, you know, the, oh man, the comp 700 comp when it came out, people just roasted it for the weight because it was, you know, over 12 pounds. It's an over 12 pound heli, period, period, period. And it was. Yeah, but now that's seemingly accepted. Well, right? you, you know why? Because what made it now acceptable? Because at some point about last year, 700s or 710s being the new norm is now acceptable. So now that the now the twelve pound model is acceptable, yeah. Because that's, what do you that's know? That's a fair point. The community adapted. They said, "Fine, you're going to give me a twelve pound model. I will run seven Because you know why? Once they got past all the numbers and all the stigma and the and the you know the people affecting their thought, they actually paid attention to how it flew. Oh, well, you know what? If I put seven tens on it, shit, I really like this. Uh, hello, you know, absolutely. Now here, here's even crazier thought. Open your mind a little more, bring your head speed down a little bit and fly what you need. Oh man, I'm getting five minutes again. Oh, Hey, Marvel fucking concept. You know what I mean? And, And I, the cool part is a lot of the pros have actually gone back in that direction as well. You know, being much more open minded to. And Nick Maxwell is still my, he is my role model when it comes to this. That guy will go out there with a 120 amp speed controller, an 11 and a half pound or 11.2 and 11.3 pound heli and a, you know, 45, 25 or whatever, and just tear it up because why now people say, well, he flies this hard. He needs this. No. He is very aware of his setup. He's very aware of it. Okay, if I keep my head speed at 1950, this model's light. I really don't need any more than that. I'll run a little more pitch. But if I keep my head speed at 1950, I don't overamp this 120. But now, if he ran it at 2100, even if he did that and dropped his pitch down, he would overamp it. Period. End of story. It's... We've... I've done it all. 
Trust me on this one. Yep. That's why yeah, when absolutely. people ask me all the time, how are you getting away with, uh, you know, a 130 in your 700 comp? Well, I'm getting away with it because of my head speed that I run. And you're then not like, well, getting can- away with anything. You're doing something that makes a hell of a lot of sense, which isn't running 2300 RPM. Because I have an, an additional half or three four quarters of a pound of component weight that I really don't need. So that's the first thing when someone asks me, well, can I get away with a 130 in my this or in my that? What's your target head speed? Uh, 2100. No, you can't. Well, aren't you flying one? Yes, I am. But you fly harder than me. Okay. You told me what head speed you wanted to run. <laughs> it's not going to work. I'm right. answering your question technically. It will not work. But if you want to be open-minded, you know, then, and be willing to tweak and tune on it a little bit, I think you're going to have a better experience in the end because your flight time is going to be longer. And for a lot of people, it's, you know, the power delivery. I've talked about it a gazillion times. I prefer the lower head speed, higher pitch because the power delivery is smoother. I yes. love it. I, I agree. It's much, lower head speed, higher pitch feels more like a nitro. It does, and it's which m- for me is a constant pursuit in electric. Yeah, and and I really like it. That's what works. For, but at the end, keeping the weight down again, keeping the weight down, keeping the head speed down to only what you need, and then running the higher pitch still gets me that pull that I like. That magic exactly. number, the pull, and it stops crisp. But for 80% of the flight, when I'm not at full collective, I'm maintaining more efficiency. Yep. Components are cheaper, crash is better, um, and I get more flight time. So it's kind of like, why, why wouldn't I? But again, I'm at sea level, and we usually don't have that much wind. So that works for me. It's you- situational. I agree, but I still think it's I, I think it's valid to say in general that people need to take a long, hard look at their component choices before they start knocking weights, because that's an integral part of the entire equation. And, and I'm not just talking about motors and ESCs and batteries, but it comes right down to servos, man. I mean, on on my servos, you measure the difference between a set of MKS X8s or, you know, 950, 990s and the plastic uh, with aluminum case 665s and 669s. It can be anywhere between 15 and 20 grams per servo. Yeah, cross four servos. That's almost a a quarter of a pound less for servos. There you go. Just say no to unnecessary equipment, guys, and you can get whatever weight you want. And I'm not saying that you do that for the sole purpose of getting down to some arbitrary lightweight. But if if that's what you like and some people do, then it makes sense. I, I happen to believe that for the lower head speed flying, having a lighter weight heli does play a little bit more of a role. But when you're up there beating the crap out of the thing, you know, aside from the effects of the feel on the feel, like you talked about, Nick, the tunability, the stops, the momentum, which which is is a is an issue. Um, 
I think people can probably give or take a quarter of a pound or so here or there. I would, I would challenge everyone. I mean, and this, it kind of doesn't have to do with weight, but I, I really think that it will help maybe ground you if you, even if you don't know that you're not grounded or if you're not sure. I challenge everyone to do 30 flights at 1750. Force yourself. Only 1750, 30 flights. Uh, On a 700. On a 700, yeah. Um, And take the time to retune. I mean, really take the time over those 30 flights. Tell yourself, this is all this thing's got, so I got to tune it the best that I can. Get it tuned up and fly it. And at the end of at the end of those thirty flights, now go back and unlock another bank, you know, or another idle up and go back to what you were. And then tell me that you still like it where you were at before. I I almost guarantee you that you will split the difference somewhere in the middle. You will learn more about tuning. You will increase your flight time, and your flying will be better. Because I, I think agree. you're, I think you're going to be a smoother pilot, and I think you're going to be much more aware of the model and your collective management. I really, really, really don't believe that you will go back to the same number that you were there before. Yeah, I I like that. I think that's a good challenge. And I think also what I would like to hear, I want to hear from the listeners on this one, because I I think this is a really interesting topic across the board. And we can bring head speed into it, too. But uh, when we post this show, like I always do every Monday morning, I will post a Heli Freak thread for episode 259. And in it, I want people to respond with, What is their, right now at least, what's their preferred weight and head speed and why? Don't just throw a number out there. Take the time to put a couple of sentences down and give us some justification. And if the justification is because I like the number 12 for pounds, then great. That's okay too. But, uh, you know, I'd like to see where people are coming from on this because maybe there are a lot of people out there that do think it through. But I'll tell you, reading through the forum responses, I get the impression that more often than not, it's a blind attack of anything that in their mind doesn't fit expectations for weight. Yeah. Well, and Justin, I think that we need to go round circle on this, uh, this episode talking to you in absolutely uh, fair you know we're talking only a half a pound difference on airframe weight and we are also discussing about how all of our component choice can have such a huge difference and blade choice and head speed and all of that i would remind yourself of that when you are being so concerned with what does this model weigh how much is this one because I yeah, really know I know. And this this is why I really felt strongly about having this topic this week, because, uh, you know, taking a step back, like you said, and looking inward a little bit like, OK, why is it that you're so hard up on the weight thing? And can you get past it? Uh, and and again, I think that it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag for me. I do want 
whatever my model ends up being to be very capable and fun to fly with ease of tuning at low head speeds. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I will continue to contend that at those lower head speeds relative to typical head speeds for a given model size, when you go to the really low head speeds, I think weight does play a role. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And so as you get to that end of the spectrum, I think it's reasonable to place more of an emphasis on weight. Now, is the emphasis that I'm placing on weight uh, reasonable? Maybe not. And I'll admit that oftentimes, like anything else in the hobby, you get this thing in your head and all of a sudden it becomes a project. And it's like, well, not sure whether I'm going to like the way it flies, but God damn it, if I can get that thing to 11 pounds flat, I'm going to feel like I accomplished something. The danger being that if I did do that and then flew it and I was like, whoa, this sucks. Lesson learned. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So well, I agree completely. And I, and I am going to think a little bit longer and harder about that because I've heard people say, you know, have you flown this model? It is heavier, but I don't feel it. And that's, again, that's where the blades and the model and the tuning come in, too. So it, it, it all just goes back to it cannot all be about weight, just like it cannot all be about head speed. No, it's, they're all ingredients into the recipe that gives you the feel that you want. Yeah, and there's a so, lot of different it, ways to get there. And I really yep. believe that you can get there with almost any of the models on the market to be honest yeah. i don't i don't think they're a far enough swing apart to to worry about it so to challenge your your lack of being able to pin a model down i think that you'll be able to get any model that you choose to fly the way that you want within reason yes yep yep awesome so, yeah, I think that that's a pretty cool topic. You guys got anything else you want to say about it? I've got a couple of uh, other items. No, go ahead. Okay, so. Uh, oh, go, go, ahead, oh, go only, ahead, Sage. The only thing I was going to say in the way I kind of look at it, because I I go for feel. I have an idea of where the 7HVs add on weight. It's somewhere around 11 and a half pounds, I think. Maybe closer to 11 because I was running 4,400 in it. Um, and a lot of that was component choice of running those lighter batteries. Uh, but the way I like to look at it is the lighter the baseline that you can start with within reason, you can always add useful weight to a helicopter. Battery weight. Through, through batteries. Always. Very you can good always point. add useful weight. So having a light baseline to start with just from that perspective it in my opinion is worth it because flight time is gold yep no that's that is i very, agree very completely fair. just don't expect to add another you know thousand milliamps to your packs and then still have your your 120 work it might not yeah you know yep yep True. yep it won't be because of the weight it'll be because of the head speed that you now need Yep, absolutely. To haul that big ass around. <laughs> you guys all know me, and you definitely know what I look for when it comes to helicopters. 
and that is reliability. For several months now, in hundreds of flights, I've been flying the MSH Protos Max. I'm to the point where I have complete confidence when this heli's in the air. I know that the quality manufacturing and the amazing part support from MSH USA will keep this model at the top of my list. For those of you looking for a top-notch 700 or even an 800 class helicopter that screams quality and has an unbeatable price tag, look no further than MSHUSA.com. Awesome. Great topic. So listeners, please get back to us on it. We always love uh, hearing from you, whether it's in the Heli Freak Listener Corner Forum, on email, you know, private message, Facebook. Uh, let us let us know what you guys think about this topic and where you stand in terms of weight. So, you know, kind of winding down here a little bit, but before we get there, what I what I thought we could do little bit of a departure, um, but still, I think, of value nonetheless. Uh, you know, we, we had a, um, a a good discussion last week, and one of the things that I brought up last week somewhat uh, on the side was, for tools and such, uh, was the use of a drill press for measuring uh, motor KV or calculating motor KV. And that ended up kicking up a lot of interest in this week's thread. And, uh, of course, I uh, committed to putting a tech tip together. I think I pretty much wrote it out in the forum. Um, But I thought that we could take a minute or two and do sort of a show tech tip. Um, And I'll walk you through it really quick for those people who either don't subscribe to Heli Freak or don't have the interest. Um, and then eventually we'll get it out there on the website so that you guys can, uh, take a look and give it a try yourself. So the, the tech tip is how to measure motor KV, KV being, uh, RPMs per volt, right? So, you know, 500 KV motor for a 12 or 14 S system, um, gives you a feel uh, for with in combination with the gearing for what your head speed's going to end up being, um, I I I use this method uh, because I'm somewhat of a nerd, as you know, and I just like characterizing all my shit, even if it's useless information. Got it written down. Who knows? I may use it eventually. Um, now, you know, a couple of listeners brought up some good points on the uh, post that I made on HeliFreak regarding um, the differences between my method, which is a drill press or a drill method. And using the ESC. Um, And I'll say in general, uh, before I get into the details of my method, either method is acceptable as long as you understand what your objective is and what math you're supposed to be using. Okay, so I I like the drill press method because it is agnostic to speed controller. And each speed controller with its control algorithm results in different effective KVs for the same motor because of the way that they're programmed and run. So I'd rather have something that I can compare apples to apples with other people and within a motor brand. So this is really simple to do. Um, what you need is a uh, a motor, obviously. You need a drill or preferably a drill press because it kind of stays stationary, a little bit easier to handle. 
you need a digital multimeter, or sometimes people refer to it as a voltmeter. And that multimeter needs to have two features. One is the ability to measure AC voltage. Okay, that's almost a, a given on every single multimeter out there. In fact, it absolutely is. Second thing, and maybe a little bit more difficult, especially if you're shopping for your electronic diagnostic stuff at Harbor Freight, is frequency in hertz, okay? So get yourself a DMM with RMS AC voltage and frequency. What you then do is you put your motor shaft in, you chuck it into a drill or a drill press, okay? All of these are outrunners, okay, which basically means you have to hold the the uh, mounting plate and the wires to keep it stationary, and then the outer rotor spins around. Uh, if you're doing it with a drill, a handheld drill, you probably want to go and find another person or two to help you. Um, what you're then going to do is you're going to spin it up to whatever speed your drill's capable of. Higher speed's better. Because as we talked about, KV is uh, RPM per volt. So uh, if I'm spinning at a higher speed, I'm going to get more voltage out of the motor, uh, which puts me more in, an, in range for getting uh, the ideal accuracy out of the, out of the multimeter. You spin it up with your drill, whatever speed you can get. With your handheld digital multimeter, you're going to clip your leads in voltage mode across any of the two phases, okay? Pick two of the three wires, clip it across there, and you're going to measure the AC RMS voltage. Write that voltage down, okay? Now, with the same DMM and keeping it clipped on there, you're going to switch to the frequency mode, and you're going to measure the frequency. It'll be in hertz, usually in the hundreds of hertz or so range, uh, okay? And then what, you, and you're going to write that down. Now turn it off because now it's time to do math. Um, and, and I would say before you turn it off, make sure you run it for a few seconds when you're measuring both of those values so you ensure that you get to a steady state, right? You, there's no, it's not varying in any way. Once the number's steady, you write it down, Okay. So next, you're going to calculate your peak voltage. The peak voltage is what's important in this, not the RMS. And RMS, for people who don't know, root mean square, it's a, it's a type of an average. A little bit more complicated. We won't get into it here. Uh, calculate your peak voltage by multiplying the voltage number that you wrote down by 1.343, okay, or 1.34, close enough. 1.3 is probably close enough for government work. If you want to make it simple, record that as V peak. Then you're going to calculate your speed in RPM by multiplying the frequency you wrote down by 120 and then dividing by the number of motor poles that you have. Usually it's 8, 10, or 14. Okay, then you take those two numbers and you divide your RPM by the peak voltage that you calculated and you get your KV. And uh, what's really nice about this is you can start to see, first of all, it's informative from the standpoint of understanding 
what your true KV is for gearing calculations. I started doing this when I got into speed because it was incredibly important to me to make sure that I understood what my expected head speeds were with with relative precision at a given throttle percentage. Okay. Um and and once I started doing it, I became interested in the kinds of variations that you typically see. And it's not uncommon to see plus or minus 5% from the nameplate value. Okay, so what that means is you just bought yourself a nameplate 500 kV motor. You may see anything from 475 to 525 when you calculate the kV. And if you've ever done gearing calculations, you know that 25 to 50 kV can play a pretty significant role in what the ultimate head speed and throttle percentages are. So it does affect your gearing. Uh, so that is the tech tip. Um, it's very easy to do once you get the hang of it. It literally takes you like two minutes of testing and two minutes of math. And you got a number. And then that is a universal number that you can apply across the board. I've, I've actually found that even using the drill press method to get a KV for gearing across different ESCs only results in a couple of percent difference between say a Contronic and a hobby wing or a castle, uh, that sort of a thing when you actually go and fly it. So it's pretty damn accurate. Interesting. Hey, so have you had a chance to do multiple motors of the same model by any chance? I'm just curious. Are you saying, uh, let's say, for example, Different you take motors a, of the same model. So like uh, 45, 30, 500. Yeah. And I take three 45, 30, 500s from the same brand and yeah. test them. Yeah. Have you have you had a chance where you could do that with like a couple scorpions or something? Yeah, I, I've done that with my own motors. I've also done that with a motor that I owned and then compared it to a friend's motor that, you know, it's the same brand and motor, but they did the testing themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and interestingly enough, again, you can see uh, uh, on the order of five or so percent variation there. Yep, I was wondering. Yep. So it's it's really important to... I think it's really important when you're trying to nail specific head speeds. And again, at on 3D, we talk a lot about head speeds more of a feel thing. Does it make a difference whether you're at 1950 or 1900? No, you could be at 1923 if that's what feels correct for you. But for speed, um, there's a little bit more criticality behind that. And so that's that's why I think it's it's interesting when you think about buying a 500 in the same brand or line of motor that also offers a 450 and that 500 could come in at 470 or 480 you know it it sort of bridges the gap between different motors yeah well it, it's really important to know because i mean if you're sitting there teetering on that edge where you're like well i could use maybe a 450 kv or you know but this this 500 kV is actually a little bit closer to what I want on 12s or whatever. Then you find out that you know maybe the the 
500 kV is not that it could just it can really affect your purchasing decisions yep yeah so i mean just as a quick example if i look at some of the motors i've done uh there's an x nova that was a 560 kV nameplate i calculated 567.5 okay uh 530 nameplate 524 520 nameplate 505 600 nameplate 585 480 nameplate 571 or i'm sorry 471 i was like whoa Whoa. (laughs) yeah sorry misread that let me restate 480 kv a nameplate was measured as a 471 so yeah so give it a try if you got questions, let me know. If you want to know more about the theory behind it, I will uh, I will give that in more detail in the final written tech tip. And if you can't follow what I just verbalized while you're listening on your drive to work, then go to episode 258 thread in our Heli Freak listeners forum. And it is, I'll tell you right now, hold on. Are you going to make that a tech tip on our website? I am. Yeah, I am. Okay. Absolutely. It It's one of the, I'll, I'll say it's probably post like 20 or 25, something like that on this uh, uh, episode 258 uh, thread. So, yeah. Sweet, man. Check it out. All right. Does anyone have anything else? I think I'm good. No. I, I will say one other thing. We are, um, things are afoot here at RC Heli Nation. Uh, 2017 is a new year. We're thinking through what 2017 uh, has in store for us as the nation. And we've got some cool ideas, probably ideas that will result in us all over committing ourselves and then falling horribly short of success. Yeah. However, <laughs> however, that's how we roll. So. Uh, stay tuned there. And and then just a reminder that, uh, as we've mentioned a couple of times in the past, uh, our plan this year is actually to take a couple of weeks off surrounding the, the Christmas and New Year's holiday uh, just to give uh, each of us the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with family. Uh, so I think those dates are the last two weeks in December. Am I right there? That sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yeah, we'll yeah. let you know the week of when we don't put out an episode. Uh, because I can't remember the actual dates right now, but um, just a heads up on that. Cool. All right. Okay, let's do some emails. Nick, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? You would send me an email to nick at com. Or catch me on the Facebook at Nicklin RCHN. Sage, how would we get in touch with you? Sage at rchellynation.com. Uh, S-A-J-E. Uh, Sage Marvin on Facebook. Razor Sharp on the forums. Send that castle hate mail to me. I wonder how long we're going to have to spell your name out. <laughs> I don't know. Eternity. I'm to it. I, I've been doing it for years now. There. You, yeah, true, true. Uh, if you wanted to get in touch with Dan, you could send him an email at dan at rchelynation.com. 
Dan Reed RCHN on Facebook or Dank Reed on the forums. Jesse is Jesse at RCHellyNation.com or Jesse Salmonson on Facebook. Uh, Ken, our store and citizen dude, Ken at RCHellyNation.com. If you got any questions about apparel, anything in the store, availability, sizes, etc., he'll get you hooked up. If you've got questions for us, send them to questions at rchelynation.com. You can reach me at justin at rchelynation.com or Justin Pucci on Facebook or the forums. This has been episode number 259. We sure as shit hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as the three of us enjoyed making it. We will see you next week. I lose a couple pounds. Badass. <laughs> Chunky. Does this make my ass look fat? This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by BK Designs, Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, Superiosity, and MSH USA. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email. Yeah.